0: Welcome to episode 28 of the Cincy Postcast. Yes, my voice sounds a little different because, well, this week is a little different. I'm on vacation, so is Grayson, but only one of us was able to record this week. The Chief and I, we're going to discuss both the Charlotte and the New York City FC match. We're going to talk, yes, about the refereeing decision, but about these games in general. Quite a bit to unpack here. We also go outside of the bounds a little bit, and we, we talk on the U.S open cup final orlando in sacramento on that one and then we wrap it up with a cornucopia of content is the way i'm describing this a whole bunch of different topics including the playoff race and chad ochocinco and that's gonna be your episode 28 Joining me to talk about all of that is just The Chief and I. Hey, how about that?
1: Maybe the worst uh, Rodgers and
0: Hammerstein musical, The Chief and I.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would pay no dollars to see that at the Aronoff. Although I do have tickets to go see Hamilton tomorrow, so I am going to get cultured slightly. Um, But The Chief and I, no, I I would not pay for a season subscription to that.
0: I gotta say the uh, the funniest thing I saw on Twitter today. Uh, I mean, in in regards to the uh, the passing of the uh, the Queen of the United Kingdom, was uh, the Hamilton production tweeting out that they send their condolences. And I thought, have, that's a have little... you guys
1: seen <laughs> your own play? <laughs> like, you're, con- that's the bad guy, <laughs> right? Our condolences, but the main character of our show really wasn't a fan of the. Main character of your show. This is kind of a, <laughs> like, this is a Star Trek, Star Wars thing. We don't get along, I don't think. <laughs> right, I don't know. It's right. just, the, the, I I was just over in England uh, back in the spring. And it's funny when you're over there how some people are really into the royal family. And there's, like, a strong undercurrent of people in England, that's large undercurrent, that really finds the royal family to be horrid, that... There's leeching off the taxpayer dime. They don't really do anything. The only thing I can compare it to would be like if keeping up with the Kardashians was a show where the Kardashian family was funded by taxpayers to live their (laughs) extravagant lifestyle. And like the Kardashians, it's like everyone understands that's train wreck TV, but it takes a fucking sinister turn when you realize you're subsidizing that too. And you are paying for... Everyone involved in this production to live the weird and lavish lifestyle that they do. (laughs)
0: And, and not just, you know, living off of the taxpayer dollars, but like when the, uh you know, say when the next American president is inaugurated, it's Kim holding the stack of Bibles, like, you know, getting right. the president into office. <laughs>
1: and it, and, and it, like, you know, it, it's we where the government is constantly broke and they're fighting over how to fund things, but they bring out like billions of dollars in jewels <laughs> that have not been used in 70 years. You can... You can buy a ticket to go see them for, for 30 quid, and that's about all they're doing is generating tickets for people to go see them. And it's like you wonder how many projects could be funded if we just sold this shit off.
0: <laughs> how many schools is this crown worth? That's a good question.
1: <laughs> uh, but having said that, I mean, they're going to cancel the Premier League this weekend, right? Like that's that's the rumor, I think. Yeah. So, as far,
0: the only thing I've seen as of the time of recording, which I should say is later than normal, thanks to midweek games, um, is the EFL has canceled Friday games. I assume that'll carry through the weekend. I know Cricket has already canceled matches through the weekend. The, uh, the tour de britain or the the british tour in cycling has actually canceled itself halfway through the tour so this is a a you know a people in mourning so i I don't think we're gonna see the premier league this weekend
1: can you imagine if you had paid like you had saved up and it's like yeah i'm the biggest arsenal fan in america this is my one chance to go see the gunners or go see chelsea and like you're flying over there and you're excited you got tickets and all of a sudden they're like sorry (laughs) This old plutocrat died, so we're gonna have to cancel all the games. Hope your tickets are refundable.
0: Oh, it takes a different turn too if they're from like India or Africa. Where you're, like, sorry the the, the people, colonizers. The colonizers. Died.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and not only not only are they did they colonize and ruin your countries, but also your once in a lifetime vacation has also been as a one final middle finger to you yeah. and your people. <laughs>
0: yeah you uh, you really don't come away being a monarchist after that one <laughs> oh,
1: I, it's just it's it's just funny because and I understand that we're an FC Cincinnati podcast and if anyone is tuning in yes this is the postcast we are still yes. gonna talk about <laughs> FC Cincinnati but it is Soccer it is fun happen. though when like when when sh- when stuff like this happens and you get a weird peek into the way some other culture works and it's kind of like I think we were talking before we started taping that you were saying it's like the American political system where once every four years everyone looks at us (laughs) and they're like, I don't understand why this guy is winning by 10 million votes, yet we're really sweating this out based on some weirdos in Arizona (laughs) or Pennsylvania. Well, this is kind of like them. It's like, oh, you made fun of our election system then. We're going to watch as these weird people on horses and big people in bishop hats all cram into a little room to put $1 billion of gold on another old dude's head.
0: <laughs> it, I, it does put it into perspective. Yeah, as you said, it's it's their weird thing. We have our weird thing. It's you know, it's a nice uh, little little window into different cultures, and, and we have to appreciate and accept that. I think I don't know. I think as a as a red blooded American, I, I I am vehemently anti monarch. I, I will go on record. So uh, I don't yeah, know just if anybody to, just,
1: just to keep the podcast spirited. God save the king.
0: <laughs> hey that's that's gonna be weird to hear sung at the world
1: cup right like right they, you gotta g- change your national anthem now how about that
0: <sighs> we should have that a changing weird. national anthem i think yeah the american president should get to pick the
1: national anthem every time they're elected
0: i think that would make it way more fun
1: that'd be electric <laughs> oh my god can you imagine like with some <laughs> what the hell would donald trump have picked what was that song he was dancing on stage to looking all oh, awkward gosh. at the at the campaign rallies? It was like, like some he was just swing and...
0: or something. Yeah. It was, wasn't
1: it Macho Man? It was
0: Macho Man. It was the village people. was Macho That's exactly Man.
1: Exactly what yeah. it was. So, yeah, for the last <laughs> for 2000 for can you imagine that we're in the middle of the pandemic it's corona like the country's trying to come together and like that first sporting event back where everyone's like yeah society's back and it's fucking macho man starts playing and we all got to start dancing in the crowd and singing along to this or they bring in some like this person is a decorated member of the Mormon Tabernacle <laughs> Choir or, or some Marine that sings and shit like that. And he has to start belting out Macho Man in the middle of Great American Ballpark.
0: Macho, Macho Man.
1: So, Bootsy Collins at the FC Cincinnati game having to play whatever Joe Biden picked out. like, <sighs> Which I can only imagine he's picking out some hollow notes. I don't know why he gives off a hollow notes vibe. <laughs>
0: It'd just be the most milk toast thing ever. No, I, uh, I I have a weird National Anthem take here. I, I firmly believe the National anthem, anthem should be changed to This Land is Your Land, Woody Guthrie. To me, that is the National Anthem of the United States, and I will I mean, stand by that take.
1: Wasn't there like a big push to make it America the Beautiful? Because I, I remember there was a thing back in the day where they said that, that our National Anthem is just too hard to sing. Like that the range that you have to have in order to do the Ooh. National Anthem well is too tough
0: for me it's too english it's based on an english song i say we we got to go full bore and it's either going to be a jazz song which doesn't really work for a national anthem or you got to go you know american folk and that's where as where what got three steps up for me so now
1: what about what about lee greenwood's i'm proud to be an american that song, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it, not because I just took a drink of beer while you were talking. Um, yes. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. That song is an electric song to put on on touch tunes, like at <laughs> one in the morning at the bar. It's like a real yes. heat check song where you can see how good of a time people are having because there yes. is nothing drunk people love to belt out quite like I'm proud to be an American as they hoist up their bud Draft high to God. the ceiling
0: now i'm I'm terrified of what could have been our national anthem in 2004 could you imagine some some <laughs> awful Toby Keith track could have been
1: shocking y'all or whatever that was <laughs> now he would have picked like it's 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 five o'clock somewhere would have been the national anthem for America back in 2004 <laughs> that's, that's a great point <laughs> We're like midway through the national anthem you got your hand over your heart at the football game it's like Jimmy Buffett comes live in. <laughs> Make it a hurricane before I go insane. <laughs> oh God, I remember when we were. T- There's nothing worse than Jimmy Buffett, by the way. I understand he's like the patron saint of Cincinnati. He's like, he's inoffensive jam band music for people that were too afraid to do drugs and follow the dead back in the day. So it's like it's perfectly Cincinnati where I want to think I'm partying at a concert, but really I've just been overserved on Coors Light.
0: That is a hundred percent Jimmy Buffett's market. It's the, you know, party adjacent party,
1: right? So. Right. <laughs> just it, it it's just it's it's perfect music for people from I you know, apologies to Norton. It's like Mason, Mason party music up there where you just, you know, they get all in like, oh, there's Finns to the left, fins it's now. No, you people are just you think you you think you're partying. You're really not. And it's like yeah, now this soulless music. corporate empire. It's like this corporate empire now, where he's got like a shitty Broadway show, and he has a restaurant that sells you a twenty five dollar cheeseburger, and like shirts that are like proclaiming "Carpe Diem" as he takes your money, fifty bucks at a time. <laughs> Fuck Jimmy Buffett, man. I hate that guy. Hey, FC Cincinnati, let's talk. We got games, man. How about it? <laughs> Speaking
0: of Jimmy Buffett, how uh, about that Charlotte match? Can you oh can you believe there were, there were two games we have to talk about in this Ugh. one? I'm fine bleeding over a little bit, but to uh, to set the stage, I mean, the Charlotte game was a 2 nothing win in the pouring rain. A solid victory for the old FCC, and then followed by last night's tilt as of the time of recording. Two days ago when you're listening to this, the 1-1 draw with New York City. The fc um i mean there's probably not much to talk about with charlotte i mean it, it was so long ago i i assume most people have, have largely forgotten the details but specifically this one was a messy game but it was one where FC took care of business with the best roster available the best lineup available and lucha did lucha things and i i pff- it's about time we've just saw a start to finish, you know, demolition of a solid team. I, I loved it.
1: it. It just reminds me, there's a line that uh, immortal wrestling commentator Jim Ross used to say. He would describe something as bowling shoe ugly, and <laughs> this game was bowling shoe ugly. Yes, yes. Just. It, it, I mean, yeah, you, you set aside proper football weather where it's pouring down rain and, you know, points to TQL Stadium. We have a roof that doesn't leak for the most part, so that made things... <laughs> kind of nice but just it was what's interesting about this game for me is you go back to earlier in the season they play a game in charlotte that is also ugly as sin it was played on mm-hmm. that weird turf they play on down there where oh, the yeah. ball bounces a yeah. hundred feet in the air whenever it you know lands and they lost that game two nil and it was a game where you felt like despite the fact they lost by two goals it was still there for the taking And it's Mm -hmm. a mark to me of how this team has progressed through this season, that they have gotten stronger. They have gotten better at knowing what their identity is as a team and as a club. And they go out and they ground out a result in a game where they didn't look the better of the two sides for portions of the game. But at, at, at the moments that mattered they had the top quality and the top class to get the job done and what I loved about it too was they saw the result out they didn't concede a goal that brought Charlotte yes. back into the game and put everybody on pins and needles it was they got their second goal on of just a terrible broken play where Lucho just you know it's a press Lucho ends up with the ball on a bad play and out the back going terribly wrong slots it away with a Just a clean, great Lucho finish. And the game loses all of its sort of intrigue at that point. They see the result out. And that's just an immense amount of progress from where that first match where they played Charlotte was for me.
0: That's actually uh, a great point. Yeah, especially back then where the season still felt like, I don't know, like, like it was still in the balance. Like we weren't sure if we were, truly beyond wooden spoon FC Cincinnati was this really a playoff team was this really a good team and that loss to Charlotte was a reminder of like okay even though we made progress like this sucked we just lost to an expansion team that is dealing with their own turmoil but they put it to us pretty good and uh, notwithstanding their uh, their weird <laughs> doctor's note controversy,
1: that game. With, oh yeah, with Carol Swiderski, right? He, where he, where like he was <laughs> suddenly available after being withheld from international. Dude, I forgot about that. Yeah,
0: we like, we fast forward, and all of a sudden we're the uh, the team with stability. We've got the better manager. They've fired their manager, their GM, and I think they've even changed out their CEO since then. Um, it's just wild to be a club that has gone through this year that has gotten more solid over time in comparison to what the last couple of years have been. And, um, yeah, no, it was really exciting to see that out. At least we forget, if Charlotte had won that game, they would have propelled themselves directly into the playoff hunt and have been right there with FC Cincinnati. So, again, like... Fending off another playoff potential challenger was huge, just in shaping up how the rest of the season is going to play out. And by rest of the season, I think I mean five or six games right. at this point.
1: <laughs> and, and I know it's it's it's. I don't know how much you ever want to take away from one result in one game, but I I like the fact that we, there was a narrative about this team, and we talked about it on the podcast when when we were a complete trio. But this <laughs> is true; it's still true that this was a team that struggled to play well in front of its home fans yeah. and it struggled to play well at TQL stadium and struggled to take advantage of the the home field advantage. And this is another match where, I mean, they, they, they go to, they they get maximum value out of playing at home and they've, they've just got to do that. I mean, we're going to talk about the, the playoff run here in a bit, but part of, anything that's going to go right for the remainder of the season, it all starts with winning your home games. And for the longest time with this team, when they would play at home at TQL Stadium, it just didn't feel like they were mining the maximum value out of being at home. But in this game, it very much felt like a game where, okay, it's sloppy, the weather conditions are bad, and the home team should have an advantage in situations like that. There should be an advantage to knowing your field, playing on your field, if you're going to get rained on, at least get rained on in your own home stadium, <laughs> yep. we are not going to have to get on a bus and drive to the airport <laughs> afterwards. Like, It's good that they put together a solid performance at home. I think that really does make a difference for how you view the progress of turning this team into a good MLS team, because good MLS teams win at home.
0: Yeah, uh, one point I did not write down in our our rundown, but just popped into my mind. Uh, this was one of the least attended home matches of the year. I know we've got college football was happening at the same time. Pro football is uh, happening again as we record here. Um, is there anything? I think to there was that? a Bengals. There was a Bengals. Was there a preseason game? Was that oh, it was a Bengals preseason game? Uh, or was, was that no. home?
1: No, they were. Or they were the NFL was off last weekend, so no, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. there was a preseason game last weekend. No, it but, was.
0: Is there anything to that in your mind that the, the weather no, speaks no, the a the lot weather's, that, I think?
1: The weather's the ultimate equalizer on this. And it's one of those things, too, where I think people underrate the idea of, well, there's a roof on the stadium. Yeah, well, there ain't a roof on the walk from Washington <laughs> Park to the stadium. Yeah. And it's one of those things, too, where uh, when – you do have to park far away because it's an urban environment stadium. There's only so many spouts in the garage that you can just walk into the stadium on. I mean, it's a consideration for a lot of people on, do I really want to come down to this game? Do I really want to, um, you know, deal with getting rained on, getting soaked, getting rained on and coming back. And then when you say college football, it it wasn't just college football that I think you need to point out. I mean, as, as weird as it is, and I don't get it. um, It was UC playing, and they were finishing up right as this game kicked off. Yeah. And, you know, they're a big story locally. They're becoming a bigger story with every passing year that Luke Fickle doesn't move on to a bigger school. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, later that night, it was Ohio State-Notre Dame. And I don't get – the part I don't get is, for some reason, Notre Dame is like the unofficial, everyone's second alma mater on the west side in this town. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. I had a friend of mine uh, who go nameless, though He the odds of him listening to this is – fucking remote um he was one of those people where he was just he grew up and in his household Notre Dame was your team and everybody was a Notre Dame fan and so his lifelong dream was to go to Notre Dame so when he was in high school he studies hard he gets good grades he sends off his application to go to Notre Dame and the domers told him in a one-page letter sorry we have a difference of opinion as to whether or not you should be attending our institution. (laughs) And he is still a Notre Dame fan. I don't get that. They told you they you're not good enough for them. Like, I've rooted for sports teams my entire life, and I know they don't love me back, but I've never gotten a fucking signed letter from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers telling me, sorry, <laughs> we don't want your business. I've never gotten a letter from the Cincinnati Reds saying, we would prefer if you didn't come here and visit our, our team, our stadium. Like, that's a personal rejection, and the dude is still a fan. I don't get it. <laughs> it, does, it does make me wonder. If professional
0: teams shouldn't start doing that, And that by the time fans, yeah, (laughs) by the time you're 13, you write a letter to a fan or to a professional team as to why you're a fan, and then they get to accept you or not. I
1: love this idea. Sorry, we're going to need to see some. We're going to need to see some photographic evidence of your mother and your father. We're going to need to see some how they behave at game days. We're going to need to see some. We're going to see a W2 to see if you're the kind of fan that can afford to buy tickets and buy gear because oh we God. don't want no poverty fan base. We want people that are buying the we want them buying the authentic kit every year. So sorry,
0: the- little Timmy,
1: mom and dad oh. don't make enough for you to be a fan.
0: The pro teams would probably love this as well, like for that exact reason. Like, no, we're trying to cater to a very specific demo in this market, <laughs> and you're not it. So please go be a fan of the Cardinals. You so. know, I've always,
1: I've, I've always wondered about that, too. Like, so there are fan bases where they're, they have season ticket wait lists. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really expect me to believe that, like, they never publish, like, the list of what your priority is on season ticket numbers. Of course and not. There's even with FC Cincinnati like we have a mutual friend who's been very involved in FC Cincinnati since jump. I don't want to say his name on the podcast. We'll we'll call him Chris W. <laughs> yes. That's a little that's a little obvious. We'll call him <laughs> C White and he has actually at one point he asked to find out what his priority number on the season ticket list was. And that was, like, three years ago. And he asked again recently, and his number had somehow jumped up by, like, 100 (laughs) or 150. And his God's honest belief is that they're slotting in the people that buy uh, luxury boxes and tunnel club higher in the priority list. But, like, if you're an NFL club and you've got, like, a wait list for season tickets, like the Bengals, if they win a Super Bowl and all of a sudden there's a wait list, wouldn't you, like, on the list, like, start Googling some of these people and getting on LinkedIn and finding out who's got the job that seems like their C-suite and we'll make sure we move you up because you're probably more likely to buy booze at the stadium and buy something at the team shop. And, you know, if you look at you and it's like, you're just, you know, you've got, (laughs) God love you, but you're working at like, you know, a Jiffy Lube, like we're going to drop you down a little bit because you're probably going to pack a sandwich and eat that on the (laughs) walk-in.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm surprised there isn't like a, you know, $20 Twenty dollar a month stay on the waitlist fee, right? So like right. you could just you either milk the fandom or you start weeding them
1: out. <laughs> Don't they do that in Europe? They do that in Europe to a certain extent. I know that like for Chelsea, that like they have a uh, in order to get tickets at Sanford Bridge, you have to be a member of the True Blues, yes. and then your ability to buy tickets to certain matches is directly impacted by: Are you a season ticket holder? If you're not a season ticket holder. How many tickets do you buy a year? And for like the super important away matches, like if you want to go see them play at City or Anfield or whatever, like they actually check to see how many of the matches you bought you actually attended. Yes. So if you just have season tickets but you constantly like sell the tickets off and you never scan your card to get in, you lose priority points for shit they like that. They only want their 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 like their most Arden supporters the people that are actually showing up buying a meat pie buying a warm beer like that's what they want i mean how long is it before fc cincinnati does the same thing where it's not just a we don't just want to have you know the priority list be what it is but like hey if we've noticed you've bought the kit every year and you've given your season ticket number for the discount yeah maybe that's worth a couple extra points up on your ranking list I think it would
0: work really well, especially if there's perks for like free away tickets. That's something I think MLS should be implementing quite a bit of because away fans really improve atmospheres. So, yeah, I think if you are a season ticket holder and, you know, meet some arbitrary threshold, absolutely Pay for the ticket. I'd even, you know, pay for buses if they're nearby or yeah, hell, you have like, there's gotta be a way to subsidized
1: flights. Yeah. You're, like, get like Allegiant Delta you're, or Frontier or, yeah, something like fucking Allegiance, like 20 bucks a ticket plus a thousand for a bag. Just tell people, right. like, we'll fly you there and fly you back same day for 40 bucks. Just don't bring anything on the flight.
0: Oh, especially too, if you could like book an entire plane, then you could, like, fill it with FCC beer or whatever. Like,
1: you could, like, you know, do it up. Right. (laughs) And then the problem is that Todd pops a smoke at the back of the flight and all the oxygen masks drop down and it's a whole production and And that never happens everyone's
0: an ultra until the faa gets involved that's that's what
1: i've always said no i've got this mental picture now too where it's like you know it's it's max getting on the plane and he sits in the exit row and his bass drum is right next to him buckled in
0: no it's a carry-on it's a personal item thank you yeah
1: that'd be that'd be a thousand dollars from allegiant right there so yeah so i mean i'm not worried about the crowd um it's just it's a ohio state notre dame i get it and like cut like part of the deal is recognizing that the fact that you drew still 21,000 paid i'll bet there was probably only like 17 16,000 there just by the eyeball test yeah. but for a rainy night where um you know there's a lot of other stuff going on in terms of sports that people are interested in i think that's you take your dub you take your dubs where you can get them that was a win for the team i think to get people out on a night like that Oh, despite for sure. what all these, all these Charlotte weirdos online were saying, like Charlotte fan TV, where it's okay, man. Let me know when the new, let me know when the new team smell wears off for you. We've been at this for five years. Listen to me, I'm sounding like a crew fan. This is exciting.
0: <laughs> you either you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> Fuck. Well, well, I will say a uh, a team that certainly has attendance issues, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure how much is self-inflicted, but I think it's mostly self-inflicted. That New York City FC game uh, this Wednesday, I know we wanted to touch on this as well, a disaster that they got kicked out of their baseball stadium and could only find refuge in the only other professional baseball stadium <laughs> in in the city. I'll say, per, you know, Major League. Uh, baseball stadium I understand there's there's a few minor league teams they probably could have run off to and hell might have been better for them to run off to Coney Island or wherever some of those other stadiums are um yeah there's like I, the
1: Newark Bears in the independent <laughs> League like was that their backup plan if City field was booked were they gonna go like I, play it like the Newark minor league stadium or was like were they gonna go out to Philly and play it like whatever their baseball stadium is out there I forget the name of it is Citizens Bank park or whatever right, like are they know- that committed to the baseball lifestyle that like nope we have a, a organizational philosophy that we will only play on baseball stadiums because our team is constructed and trains to play on these <laughs> Mickey Mouse fields, right. and we don't want to give that home field advantage up.
0: We, we spend at least an hour every training session running on uneven sod, so our guys are ready for this. Um, I was watching the game last yeah. night with a friend
1: up at RP's in Oakley, and uh, he's like a casual soccer fan and he made the observation that if they were really committed to the bit they would leave second base on the field and just make it like a like an <laughs> internal like hazard that you just have to get around that occasionally like the ball would hit second base and just bounce in some random direction. That if you're gonna if you're gonna play on a non-regulation field in a weird fucking baseball stadium with weird camera angles, go full on with the baseball. Leave the dirt still out there for the infield, like those old Oakland Raiders games back in the day. Yeah. Like leave second base actually out there as a hazard. Everyone has to dribble around. Just go for it if it's gonna be weird.
0: I'm wondering if the dirt wouldn't be better at this point. I mean it would fuck up the ball's physics, but I wonder if it would be better like health-wise. Like we saw Bariall like twisted his ankle, he recovered pretty quickly, but he very clearly went down non-contact on the turf line. Like
1: I, I wonder if the dirt wouldn't be better. Didn't Louisville City used to put astroturf down over yeah. the dirt like it was fake grass like they would have a real grass field and then astroturf Over the infield dirt.
0: They've done that. They've also done different things where like they have a mound that lowers and then they had a mound that they could just up and move. So like it wasn't actually all dirt. It was like plastic topped with dirt so they could pick it up and move it. Very weird situations. Why
1: does MLS allow this? Like why does the league – like you have a a team and they are clearly – at this point it's it's very clear they wanted that city football group money yeah that's they it. let them buy into the league they didn't try to force them to buy the cosmos brand or anything like that but like okay i get it but if your baseball stadium isn't available for one night why do they let them play in another baseball stadium wouldn't you go force them to play at red bull arena like there wasn't and- anything going on there last night was there
0: I don't know. There might have been an NWSL game. I do know that they have played uh, a number of home games at Red Bull Arena this year. Also, keep in mind, in Champions League, they played a home game in Bank of California Stadium, which I don't believe is called that anymore. They played a a home match in LAFC Stadium this calendar year. (laughs) I know last year they played home games in Hartford, which now has a USL team. Like, just insanity. used to make fun of the Cosmos, like having to play at Hofstra, you know, lacrosse field in front of 1,500 fans, but I'm not wondering if that isn't the better
1: situation here. I mean, it's just one of those things too where it's like, I I know about this because I'm traveling out there for work, but in Phoenix, the NHL team out there got into a pissing match with the arena they were booked in and like they claimed they were in a dispute over the lease agreement, and then just didn't pay the taxes they owed or something, and they got kicked out, for lack of a better way to phrase it. And they are going to be playing their home games this year at the Arizona State University's hockey arena that seats generously 4,700 people. (laughs) It's like an NHL team will be playing to a smaller crowd than the Cyclones do on most nights. (sighs) So, like, don't tell me that there aren't things you can do as a sports league to make do with bad facilities for the time being um the fact that they keep letting them do this and then that they let them go to city field where it's just like come the fuck on right just come on it's a joke and it just leads me to believe that they're that nycfc really really believes that they have an advantage playing on these small fields and yeah. all these weirdos out there that claim, oh, no, you know, you can see on the satellite imagery, it's regulation, like, bullshit. I'm sorry, <laughs> just bullshit. Right. If if it was, if everything was on the up and up, they would not have been so pressed to make sure that there was another baseball stadium they were playing at last night.
0: There is a stadium. I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. I, I'm going to call it the E-Chan, I-Chan Stadium, I-C-H-A-N Stadium. It's on a a little island out near the Bronx. Um, 5,000 person stadium surrounded by youth baseball fields. You're telling me City Football Group couldn't throw half a billion dollars at this island, redevelop it, redevelop this little stadium, put a 20,000 seater in there, uh, you know, open it up to community events for all the times that they're not doing events, cover it all and, you know, whatever city blue right and and make it a thing it's it's on a major bus line it's not on a taxi line but you could run a shuttle from the nearest metro stop um it's insane to me that they're still struggling with this and i understand like new york's hard to develop in or whatever but the usl allegedly has a team coming in queens in the next two years so You know who has enough money to develop
1: in New York City? (laughs) City Football Group. They have a limitless supply of money. The the deal that MLS signed to bring them into MLS, the fact that there wasn't an ironclad, Mm. you must build a stadium by X date, or the franchise reverts back to MLS, back to the single entity. The fact that that wasn't signed is bananas and malpractice. And it's just fucking shocking to me.
0: Here's a fun one. Uh, the Mets either were or are or are rumored to be up for sale. If you're the uh, Sheikh Mansour, are you not just buying the Mets and just convert the stadium to the old like riverfront like pivot stadium so that you could right. just move a couple of stands here and there and have a uh, have a proper football field
1: like or move, move the on. Mets out, move the Mets out of New York and do the Providence Park <laughs> transformation because people forget Providence Park where the Timbers play used to be a baseball stadium. That's, that was a multi-purpose facility.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. You could put the Mets out in Long Island or whatever and you'd be fine. Yeah.
1: Because yeah, honestly, like the it's, it's a sunk cost of building the stadium and half the cost of like buying the Mets is that you get the land that's right there. Just redevelop that. You can put the Mets out on Long Island or you can move the Mets to like Newark, like, there's yeah. all sorts of possibilities with what you can do there. What about the Meadowlands? Why the fuck not? <laughs> <And> just watch <laughs> people lose their mind.
0: Put New York City FC at the Meadowlands.
1: Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so and then silly. both New York... New York City FC and New York Red Bulls would both play in New Jersey, and that would be just glorious. I still, think- I, I'm just glad we're. I'm glad we're talking about this because the game itself was fucking trash.
0: The game was stupid. I, I'm still. I just, I need to emphasize this point one last time. I, I like to point it out whenever I can. MLS completely fucked their largest media market by giving it to two like. Other ownership groups that want to just use these MLS teams as billboards. Red Bull and City Football Group. There's nobody there who's actually trying to make a New York team. It's super fucking annoying that they just completely boofed this market. And uh, what, what's yeah, terrible about it too
1: is that it's it's one of the best sports markets in America. Like yes. I hate it, but Yankees fans are ride or die. Like those that it's one of the best fan, objectively, and it hurts to say this, it is, even if you just take out all the sack hangers and the people yeah. that just want to wear the yeah. Yankee hat because Jay-Z made it cool or uh, Fred Durst made the red Yankee hat cool back in the day <laughs> yes, for old enough. Yes, yes. Um, the fan base in New York is awesome. Like Yankee fans are hilarious. They're funny. They're one of the most uh, racially segregated fan base, not in terms of like black and white, but that the Irish sit in the upper deck and the Italians sit in the lower deck. And it's just, it's always been that way. They're awesome. New York Rangers fans are awesome. New York Knicks fans. God bless you. If you're still one of them, they're awesome. Like, I remember I saw some video of they won their first game of the year last year and people streaming out of the garden acting like they just won the World Cup. That, like, you know, <laughs> the New York Knicks were going all the way. We got this. We got this. It's like that city is such a good sports city. And the fact that this NYCFC, the, the fan base is so small. It's yeah. so small. Like, that was a sad crowd last night. And the fact that, like, they just don't give a shit. That they put this game... At, uh, in Queens right next to when the U.S. Open was going on for tennis, yeah, such that they, there was, no parking. There, yeah, was no, no parking. there was no parking available at the game. <laughs> you couldn't park at the game because they scheduled the game. They could have picked anywhere to play it, but they picked a baseball stadium that was next to one of the biggest world sporting events going on currently and that that had parking priority for the night. Jesus. Like, just the, the dumbest, and you're, you're so right about that, that It's just it's it's malpractice by MLS that they didn't try to do everything they could to make New York a New York property owned by New Yorkers run by New Yorkers with New Yorkers as fans. And instead, it's a a fucking energy drink and a German football consortium and a Qatari football consortium on the other end that just have no ties to the city and just want to own the shiny thing in the biggest media market.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's super, super annoying. Uh conspiracy. Do we know if theory. they brought the
1: do we know if they brought the banner too. Did we find that out? The the championship I, banner. It's I it's easily foldable that. and transportable, but I, <laughs> I I spent I spent so much time on social media last night just scrolling to see if anyone had taken a picture of the banner and no one did. I'm so mad about this.
0: I had that same thought last night. like, do you bring the banner to a different stadium? I think
1: I would. Like it's so small. like yeah. right, that's the point of it. The point of it is that it's easily transportable <laughs> that you can pull it down.
0: Oh man, that's hilarious. No, um I conspiracy theory though I do I did need to bring this conspiracy theory up. Uh, I'm guessing in New York City FC's uh, ownership or franchise agreement that Manchester City or City Football Group, has to buy a certain number of MLS players every few years at, like, above market rate so that it can continue to set MLS player rates higher. We saw that Ooh. with Mixed discarude, yeah. Zach Steffen. We've seen yeah. that a, a couple of times. Keaton Parks. A couple of places where, like, MLS players go for a, a little too much money to City Football Group. And, um, yeah, that's just oh, like something some, I've been keeping is... an eye
1: on. Well, this is like some NFT shit right here where mm-hmm. like the, why is the NFT valuable? Because somebody bought the NFT for a hundred thousand dollars originally. So that sets the value. So now it must be worth at least a hundred thousand dollars when in reality, it's just money laundering between several different people right. designed to try and pump the value of this. I'm I'm in on this. Yeah. So uh, NYCFC players are the NFTs of MLS. I like absolutely. that as a headline.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, we should probably talk about this game as a disaster uh, that it was. I I, I got to start off by saying uh, one of the funniest slash worst own goals
1: I've ever seen. Oh, it's incredible! <laughs> like, like I have never been more certain watching something in real time that it was going to end on the Sports Center not top ten. Like yes. I, like you could have written that in Sharpie for number <laughs> one on the Sports Center not top ten for today and probably the rest of the week
0: oh just unbelievable uh in a lot of ways cost them the game you know if you, you look at the final score yeah at the end. but just like <laughs> yeah. Burhalter's watching as well so you got sean johnson trying to prove that he's the number three to go to Qatar, and he gives up i mean it's not really his fault but no. it's just not a good look just a
1: heinous <laughs> own goal just like that ball like usually when there's an own goal the ball travels back maybe like it's a deflection or somebody gets ahead the wrong way. That was passed back from at least 30 yards,
0: 36 yards. He no looked it. I'm not really sure why Johnson is like way off to the side off of his line as well, which just feels like it was asking for trouble. Like if like Barrial had like gotten the ball off a guy real fast, there's still an open net. Like that was just like poor positioning in general. Um, yeah, that was just, that was a fucking disaster.
1: It was comical. And what was great about it too was like, you looked at it and it was like, oh well, if there's one like super skill FC Cincinnati has, it's it's coaxing people into making horrendous <laughs> mistakes, playing it out the back. And yeah, yet again, here we find ourselves capitalizing on just an in- incredibly <laughs> stupid play.
0: I, I think if we were a better team, I'd be more convinced that that was match fixing. I don't know. That was just like, that was so blatant. You have to wonder, you know, how much money did that defender have on that game? Because uh, he also got a red card and was sent off. Right. He becomes the, uh, the second MLS player to score an own goal and pick up a red card in the same match. So that is that a hell impressive.
1: of a stat. Dude, Who's the other one?
0: I don't remember. Connor Casey, I believe, uh, yeah. which I think was a goalkeeper. So, yeah, just incredible stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, that was it was a tough game in general. It didn't have Lucho, which we knew was going to be rough. And then there was some. Right.
1: Which, like, we didn't even talk yeah. about in the Charlotte game about yes. that, how nonsense that yellow yes. card was on Lucho. Like, I think it was, like, what, in the 88th or the 89th minute? And yeah. it was for not getting back fast enough and like allegedly time-wasting in a 2-0 game. Like, yeah. that's just... Another one of those, just put it in your back pocket, where it's just like, I keep talking about the officiating, and we're going to talk about the fucking officiating here in a second, mm-hmm. but um, just another one where, like I said, if there is a conspiracy, and I believe there is a conspiracy, I believe the conspiracy, the extent of the conspiracy is just that on the pro-referees group chat, on their group me or on their WhatsApp, probably WhatsApp so that it can't be subpoenaed and turned over (laughs) in a future (laughs) litigation, that there is just a standing thing of how dare this first-year coach, Pat Noonan, on this three-time wooden spoon-winning nothing team, how dare he call one of our people unprofessional? Just whenever you can, make sure that they don't get the benefit of the doubt on something. So you're yep. never going to get the hey, he pushed him over in the box clearly in front of me. I'm not going to call that, where it's like clear match fixing. But if you see an opportunity to throw the yellow up on a guy that's one card away from an accumulation uh suspension, take it. Throw the yellow card up. Yep. Um, if you find yourself in a position where, eh, the call in the field stands because there's no clear and convincing evidence, yeah. Or, as we're going to talk about here in a second, if you find yourself in a position to send something to VAR and find clear and convincing evidence, yeah, maybe you do that too. We're not asking you to do anything blatantly illegal. Just make sure that the 50-50 calls always seem to find themselves on one side of the ledger. And just, just a nonsense, nonsensical... And I saw some take online blaming Lucho that he needs to be better in that situation. Doing what? Right. Like, doing what? Like, that kind of, like, gamesmanship... That's just par for the course in all these games. Like yes. the goal, the goalkeeper taking the full 15 seconds to <laughs> put the ball back in play. And all these guys like Lucho and these veterans, they know exactly what they can get away with before yep. they get a card. And 99 times out of 100, you don't really get the card until the official has told you once, hey, hurry the fuck up. I didn't see that once. I didn't see no. the referee go to Lucho once and point to his watch or do the no more. None of that. It was just he he, he spammed the yellow card like Stone Cold hitting the finisher back in the 90s out of nowhere. And it's just like I, it, it, nonsense. And the problem is, is it directly yeah. relates to this NYCFC game where, OK, now we're without Lucho in yep. a game where. You know, every inch of space matters on this Mickey Mouse pitch. And we're without our best distributor, our best ball handler, and our best in tight spaces guy. And it's like, fuck, really?
0: For that? And it, it forced a number of other changes. So Barial is our sort of Lucho replacement. So he fills in, which means you have Nelson out wide because Mata's still coming back, which, hey, we saw a healthy Matarita in this game. Very exciting. Right. Uh, but then, yeah, there was a number of other uh, pieces of rotation. You saw Bajian for Brenner. You saw Powell uh, sitting out for Gaddis. Uh, who else? Kubo in for Moreno so uh, solid switching and um we say uh Cameron was out I guess we'll say for uh uh for Murphy uh although Miazga shifted over to to cover the center there so quite a bit of uh rotation for this game I mean it's wild too New York City FC looked Unbeatable. It looked like it was going to be L.A.F.C. New York City F.C. were going to be competing for the uh, supporter shield earlier this season, and they've just fallen off a cliff. They lost lost their coach, lost uh, Tati Castellanos, and they're they're rudderless. They they are just a complete disaster. Uh, so uh, earlier today, actually, their coach snapped at a New York reporter in the press game. Uh, post-game press conference, blah. and um, the team uh, cut that from the official video and omitted Ooh, it from spicy. the uh, the official uh, transcript as well. So Very pretty, Nixonian.
1: I like this. <laughs>
0: just like it never <laughs> happened. Uh, this never happened. And it was because the coach was upset that this writer had criticized him uh, before, even though this guy's question had nothing to do with that particular line of criticism
1: so like they are just falling off a cliff (laughs) again just stupidity from mls stupidity like when you know we find people for talking about stuff like how how viral or how wide did that story go about brian kelly down at lsu where that reporter comes in late and he tries to make a joke about it and the reporter tells him to his face well if you would have won the football game i'd have been here on time and it's just like that's electric content. Yes. Don't scrub that. Don't scrub the manager getting into a fight with a reporter. People love reporters and coaches fi- fighting. Yes. It's incredible content. Don't, it's, don't ever bury a fucking story. This league isn't cool enough and isn't big enough in the sports presence to ever bury controversy. Just turn into the swerve.
0: And I, on like a professional level, why would you piss off New York media? You need every fucking inch you can get from the print and digital media in new york like the new york times the new york post you think they give a flying fuck about your
1: team they don't so or how about this maybe they should be doing that more often Maybe they should be mm. picking fights with reporters so that you end up on the back page of the New York Post. That's and a they good cover point. you. Like, really, in New York, for a team like NYCFC or the Red Bulls, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Like, if you're no. on the front page of the Post, that means you're bumping off one of the other, like, nine teams in the city from whatever <laughs> right. the lead story is. But, like, if you have somehow made yourself the story, congratulations, you've bumped Aaron Judge chasing Roger Maris' record from the from – the, Front pages of the sports section. That's incredible. You should do that more often. Like next time, you should call out the guy's wi- wife or you should call <laughs> out the guy's kid to get personal do anything to get more people to show up and pay attention seriously <laughs> yeah and oh my god yeah just super
0: annoying that, that like that, that that they did that but then of course like this is a team that is struggling and we like actually decided to rotate the team uh rotate the team which i love from noonan like this is a week you know weekday game it's important but a loss wouldn't have been the end of the world but he put out a team that he thought could you know grind out a draw and they fucking did like that was so impressive i i understand the refereeing decisions aside like going into this game i had already mentally resigned myself to this being a loss would be happy with a draw and we come out of it with a draw and a I think a a lock, you know, an airtight case for a penalty, uh, at least one, maybe two, having been pulled back from this team. So I I think on balance I'm happy with how this game turned out.
1: it's. I mean, like I said, we're going to break down the rest of the games for the playoffs, but, like, spoiler alert, the the pathway to this team making the playoffs is win your home games, pick one game off on the road, and tie another road game. And they got their tie on the road when they were shorthanded, Their best player was off the field. They rested several key people. I mean, they're going to need Jeff Cameron down the stretch. By the way, not being talked about often enough because I know he's a meme to certain parts of the fan base at this point. But, like, Jeff Cameron has played very, very well since Matt Miazga showed up. Like, very well. That's a pairing that works. I don't know why it works. Um, There's a insert your own political rally joke here but um yes (laughs) but they're gonna need Cameron down the stretch and they gave him they gave him valuable minutes off last night um Moreno as well injury prone Junior Moreno time off they pulled Brandon Vasquez down and gave him some time off in this game uh Lucho full match off I mean this is they were able to to really because we talked about a couple weeks ago this idea that like with the Seattle match coming up on a Tuesday, going out west, is that a game where you maybe think about not sending some of your first teamers to give them the time off, not make them go through the travel, and just focus your resources on beating RSL, uh, beating DC on the road, doing whatever it is that you need to do, and just writing off one of these West Coast games? Uh, but they were able to get some of that same, you know, reserve, hold some people back, get some people some some fresh some some minutes off they still got the point I mean it's yeah you want to win all these games but a, a point here was not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination I don't think
0: yeah and this game is well I thought that it was one of our more defensive looks and yes Cameron was out and Murphy was in um but the defense was under under attack basically the entire game and and gave up like a hundred to one shots on that ratio for this game. But they held strong, like got the got the MLS clean sheet with the
1: one goal that you're just not <laughs> going to be able to give up or, you know, prevent. Right.
0: But um, yeah. Celentano,
1: um, first half, oh, just absolutely MV, MVP of the game for me. Um, He single handedly kept the team in it in the first half when they were under absolutely. siege, had like three or four absolutely highlight real saves. And it's just it's a credit to how well he has played and how good he's looked that you don't even think of him as a rookie any longer. Like you don't think of him as a kid that this guy looks like he belongs. He plays really well. He keeps the back line composed. He plays very well on set pieces. I think Um, he controls the box. Well, just a great, great game for a kid when the pressure is now ratcheting up down the stretch on these games. So hats off to Roman.
0: He's 21 years old. Like he has such a future ahead of him. If he can maintain this and just improve in a couple of areas, I still think his distribution needs some work, but the shop the, the shot stopping's incredible. He's organizing this defense now that he's, he's got some better pieces in front of him. Um, I mean, I, I want every FC Cincinnati player to play for their various national teams, but you gotta wonder how far away he is. If if guys like Gaga Selena are, you know, immediate. You know, call ups, $10 million transfers abroad. And, uh, Roman's a much better goalkeeper than him at this point. Yep.
1: The other thing, so, too, is that y- you look at this team, too, and you sort of, you can almost squint and look at this team as this was a very, might have been, if Gerard Nykamp had stayed around for another year, like this team might have looked a lot like what we saw last night. Um, yeah. Just, uh, what you noticed about it was that this team got destroyed in possession. And we've said before, we, you know, possession is overrated. But on this type of a pitch where there is such tight spaces, you really can't concede possession as much as they did and expect to do well just because it's the transition from offense to defense and the back and forth. It's so fast yeah. on this field. And you had a midfield out there with Yuyakubo, who is not a great possession guy at all i mean no. whatever he was sold here to do it wasn't to be a possessor of the football <laughs> barial who is okay at possession but i don't think it's his strong suit i think his strong no. suit is runs and distribution from the ang- from the uh the outer uh angles um there just wasn't a lot of good options for the team uh, moreno being out he's a pretty good in possession the only really good possession guy on the field was wobodo and he played very well but just he alone is not enough to to trigger no. the offense when there's nobody else out there that can hold the ball that can connect passes and you really do see where it with, where this team needs to improve next year because the drop off from guys in the midfield that we rely on to the guys that played last night it's significant and it was lucky that they didn't lose the match because of how badly they got outpossessed outshot and just out hustled in that first half.
0: Yeah, that that first half was was absolutely brutal. Although I did appreciate uh, what Bodo just putting in bone crunching tackle after bone crunching <laughs> tackle. I thought for sure he was getting a red card. I, he was just taking shins left and right. And uh, but like he he I was the it. only
1: one out there. It was like he like somebody must have told him it was like. It was like that scene in the water boy where like Pat Noonan calls him over. He's like, there's no one else out here that can do this. It has to be you. I need you to go out there and single-handedly save this team right now. He's like, okay, went out there. All right. No one will be able to walk when I am done. And
0: he he put in that shift, man. Sure did. He he made him think about those passes every so often. Oh, so we, we've got to talk about these refereeing decisions. And there's two in particular I want to focus on. And I'll even concede the point that the, the match outside of these two very important calls was, was fairly balanced and, and called well enough. But what was frustrating is uh, the first one is uh, Brandon Vasquez being offside have it after having been pulled down in the box, which is just... One of the classic examples of like this call wouldn't go this way for the other team nope. against FC
1: Cincinnati, <laughs> like nope, like, ironclad uh, penalty going the other way, just ironclad, like right. write it in stone. What kills me
0: is there isn't a standard that we can then apply to all of these. And I think this. That that statement applies much more to the, to the second uh, refereeing decision, which is a penalty is not called as contact is initiated before the player entered the box and then continued while they entered the box. That was uh, Sergio Santos uh, on that one. Um, we don't have it clear to where if they call it one way on the field, you then have to keep it that way unless there is, you know, something obviously missed the first time around like var one of var's like three core things that it does is that it will uh reapply a yellow card from the wrongly identified player to the correctly identified player that makes sense because you've you've clearly altered the game by giving the card to the wrong player so it, has it should to be, be something readily so identifiable
1: to yes. who the right player should have been
0: Exactly. Just super obvious. Oh, he gave it to number seven. It should have gone to number six. You know, whatever the case is. But with this, it was called one way on the field, but then doesn't go to VAR because it's not close, of course. Like, obviously, this is FCC we're talking about. he was offside. We called it offside in the the heat of the moment. Why would we ever go to VAR? And then we can go to all of our diagrams to show that actually he was only offside by, you know, uh, a toenail and therefore... Um, you know, it was totally fine for them to do this, but then on the flip side, later in the game, when it comes time to assess FC Cincinnati's shout for a penalty, which by the laws of the game, God bless you, Grayson, for actually pulling up the literal laws of the game to explain
1: who read, how this Who is. reads the law. What kind of idea with what kind of stupidity is that? <laughs> what a
0: nerd! Um, it's blatantly a penalty, there's contact initiated before. The player enters into the box, and then it continues as they enter the box, and then there's a solid push in the box. Right. They review it. It's not enough to take away the red card. So we're already acknowledging that this is a horrible, terrible foul that has wrongly which, de- which directed the match.
1: Right. I want to talk about that too. Just like and butt in for just a second on that. It's Please. absurd to me that if you kick somebody in the heels in the very corner. Of the 18-yard box, right yes. on the end line, as like a guy's back is to the goal, you bulldoze him right there, you kick his heels out. That's a PK when he wasn't in a scoring position. Right. But if you pull someone back from the, you know, you are the there is nobody between them and the breakaway. Somehow, that's not a PK. And no. like I know Tommy G got shit for getting that wrong, like last year or the year before, yeah. where he was yeah. applying the hockey rule, where if you pull somebody <laughs> down, it's a sh- it's a penalty. A penalty shot, but that should be the fucking rule. Like if if you're gonna give the PK the the almost guaranteed goal scoring chance for the guy with his back turned to the goal that's not even making a move to the goal just because he's in the 18, you should absolutely give it for the guy that gets hauled down on a breakaway from behind. The red card alone isn't enough in that situation. Uh, Absolutely. And I I or or conversely, restart play from that spot with the defense behind him and let him just do the old running PK MLS style. Like wherever he's at, like put everyone else behind him. He can kick it to himself and everybody else can run. If they can catch up to him, good on him from a standing spot, but just let him take a run at it from right there.
0: I love that. Denial of goal scoring opportunity is awarded a running free kick with everybody having to start, you know, 15, 18 yards behind him.
1: That would be fucking electric. That would be electric television. You want to talk about everyone on their feet for a moment in the game and like the buildup where the, the keeper can come charging out. Yep. There's no restriction where he has to stand his line because there wouldn't be on a breakaway either. Right. So he right. can run out and close down the angle. That would be incredible. Oh. Yeah, keeper like, yeah, has to official, start within the 6-yard box. I'll give him yeah, that. The, and then yes. Yeah, the official uses the magic spray to spray the field on the ball where the ball is, then walks 10 yards back and puts the line 10 yards back and that's where everybody else has to stand. And I the guy gets it. a free runner.
0: Because then, like, you would send the, the attacking team off to the side because you want guys to square the ball. So the right. defense has to be split. Oh, that's perfect. That's so perfect. <laughs> okay. Maybe there's a silver lining to this call and that we just made the game of soccer so much better. Um. Who would turn this off?
1: No, and the, here's the other <laughs> problem, too, that with this idea, is that, to me, when you, when you talk about clear and obvious standard of error for these reviews... Yes. The only way, by my understanding of the definition of clear and obvious, to overturn this penalty would be if you went to the video monitor and you were able to say clearly and convincingly, beyond any doubt, that there was absolutely no contact whatsoever once he entered the box. None. That, like, All of the contact happened outside the box and that like they were literally spaced apart such that the hands were apart. You can see every part of the body and I can see conclusively that there is no contact. But that's not what this was. Like no. you can look at this replay, and you can say, "Okay, his hand is right here. Maybe it's contacting this." That's the standard. The burden of proof should be on the other side. You should have to say when you walk out of there and articulate. They should make them do it over the fucking loudspeaker of yes. the game. That I have upon further review, I do not see any contact that happens after the player enters the 18-yard box conclusively. clear and convincing evidence. I see nothing, not maybe not. Well, it doesn't seem that way. No. And that's not what this was. You you can watch this at real speed or in slow motion. And if you tell me with absolute certainty that there was absolutely no contact inside the box, you're lying. I'm sorry. You're you're not being honest. You're not having an honest conversation here.
0: Right. And uh... As I alluded to before, God bless the uh, I guess FC Cincinnati fan who was arguing against this, trying to say that they looked up the uh, the rules in MLS and USL and the FA Cup about how you know that's actually not a rule. It's in uh, IFAB, the actual organization that writes the laws of the game. Uh, that yes, that that is a hundred percent by the laws of the game a penalty. So makes it even more frustrating that they had the call correct the first time uh, you get that correct I, you're fine like you've you nailed it and yeah. yes PK plus a, a red York card fan, you win the game you win yes. the game and if I was a New York fan I'd be super annoyed until I read that and saw shit that is actually the rule of the game that sucked I didn't know that I'm learning that this time but uh damn you know they called that one
1: correct right and I'm not going <laughs> to apologize either for this idea too that you know what I hate this idea that they don't go to VAR for Gutman. They -hmm. don't go to VAR for Etienne. They don't go to VAR for Brandon Vasquez. They go to VAR for this. I'm sorry. I don't care that they got the call right. Like, we are so beyond fucking due for them to blow a call our way. Like, we're owed this one. But yes. like it, I it just I have no patience and no time for people that are like, "Well, they got the call right. Well, how about the other four they got wrong?" I just want consistency. If you're going to be consistently bad, be consistently bad. But don't be bad when it's bad when it fucks us and then good when it also fucks us and just alternate back and forth to whatever outcome fucks us. Like, I want a blown call in our favor for a change. How about that? Yes. Yes. I want them to look at this replay and say, eh, you know what, maybe the official got this wrong, but there's not conclusive evidence he got it wrong. Call in the field stands, And New York can bitch about a blown call, but you know what, someone else is due to have their night ruined for a change. It's At some point, it's got to be someone else's turn.
0: And maybe we missed the kick. Like, it wasn't the end-all bill. We're not giving or taking away a goal. It's just calling it as it is. And I... I also, I think to the same point, I'm super frustrated that people be like, yeah, the referee got a lot of fouls, you know, fouls correct and, and got a lot of the throw-ins to the right team. Therefore, they could, they're allowed to completely fuck up the two absolutely monumental game-changing calls that they made in this game. It's like, no, yep. no, 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 no. There's different degrees here. And the right. not calling a penalty and the calling a goal offside, you know, these matter more then oh he, he actually did make contact he didn't get all ball there that's actually a foul Th- they're on different planes and right. i hate and I just, equating them
1: and I, I also hate this idea too that last week it was all about we couldn't see what nick Haglin's foot was doing yet yeah, like right. in this game we can see what all of the hands are doing and what the body is doing and we can tell when he's touching when he's not touching when he's you know impeding when he's not impeding all of a sudden now You know, we know everything by watching these still frames, but before we couldn't engage in the basic, you know, you know, fucking inference building to determine where the foot was and to know that when you lean forward, you're further forward than where the rest of your body. It just it's I hate I hate this, this, this nonsense of what is and is not, you know, clear and obvious error. And if there's not a standard for it, just do away with it. It's just not making the game better when clear and obvious error just seems to be whatever fucks Cincinnati in any given moment.
0: Completely agree. And don't throw the European Premier League – champions league automated system at me i hate var all the way through <laughs> automated all you <laughs> want i think it's stupid
1: all don't the way threaten through. me with a good time by proving my point more <laughs>
0: right it's just it should come down to the individual on the end line um and that's it like that's the game and we don't we don't need anything more than that i'll give you goal line technology on the ball crossing but i'd even argue an official behind the goal could do that as well um do we leave it there have we covered both of the games pretty well here
1: i I think they weren't they weren't entertaining enough to merit much more (laughs) analysis to be honest with you
0: oh well we'll leave that in part one in part two we're going to touch on a little bit of the uh the u.s open cup here We're back, part two, U.S. Open Cup. Very annoying that this game—I just—I I have to jump right into it. it. Was scheduled at the exact same time as the FC Cincinnati match. How dumb is this? If you're
1: MLS, I, or I, I guess U.S. Soccer,
0: that that you let this happen.
1: I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand that if you have you had one job, your one job with MLS was not to schedule a game against the Open Cup final date, which is presumably known well in advance and not only did you fuck up by scheduling a game when nycfc couldn't use their home stadium you also fucked up by scheduling a game against the open cup and also for that matter too like i assume that the open cup is being played on a wednesday night because espn told them to play it on a wednesday night right but why wouldn't you play this game on labor day like why wouldn't you play this game like there's no nfl on labor day um nfl always opens the week after labor day right monday by monday night there's only usually one college football game on and it's like okay if you're into clemson or you're a degenerate gambler you're probably watching the the college game that night but it's early in the college football season the best matchups are on saturday and sunday just yeah. own that monday night what are you worried about like competing with monday night raw like who cares
0: and and USL put four, I just had to look this up, four matches up against the Open Cup. Where the Open Cup is like, their bread and butter. This is the time USL actually breaks into like the national sports discourse for as little that it can. You know, it finally gets its moment, and these still scheduled teams and and matches up against it. It's beyond frustrating that one the leagues do this, but then two that US soccer, the US soccer federation, went ahead and like just abdicates the fact that they they you know govern this sport in the u.s and just like lets this happen like i don't understand who is running like the organizing the sport part of u.s soccer like they got the business side of this pretty well down i just don't understand who's organizing the sport part of this who says hey Everybody in all of American soccer, including the women's national team, I think, also played a game last night. Like, fucking nobody plays against our largest national competition that is across all of the divisions. Like, this is our one game, even if that happens to be Wednesday. Give us that one Wednesday.
1: Give us that one Wednesday. Give us that one opportunity to show off the pageantry of the cup to no one that's paid attention, to tell the story of the cup to do like a pregame show about the cup and how we got here this year, especially you had a huge underdog story that was worth telling, but like don't put any games up against it. And it's just, it's, it's nonsense because it it continues to me, the open cup, and I've said this before on here is the most undervalued property in all of American sports. Um, It tells, it's got everything that people love about March madness on steroids Yes. Um <laughs> but it's actually
0: got, March Madness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's got, you know, dudes from bar teams competing against dudes that are owned by Qatari football conglomerates. <laughs> like that's awesome. You've got, you know, teams that are fighting their way into MLS the way Cincinnati was back in the day, or that Sacramento still is to a certain extent. Yeah. Versus established soccer powerhouses. You've got you've got hasbins, you've got never wases, you've got champions. Um and I don't understand it all. Why they don't just set this up and on February, whatever day you want to do this, you release the bracket and it's got all 128 or all 200 how many games and you can trace your team's path to the title you can look forward to matchups where, okay, if we win this game, then our next game would be against this team that's our rival. Yes, and then, yes. like, oh, well, if Louisville wins two more matches, their next game will be against the winner of Cincinnati and whatever, and we could see, you know, the Dirty River Derby come back in. Um, just release a bracket. America loves brackets. Gamblers love brackets. And just lean into this, make it a big event, and have the final date circled in pen on the calendar and, And then just the entirety of American soccer just lays out for one day. And the national team Twitter account sends people to watch the Open Cup. The MLS Twitter account sends people to watch the Open Cup. And you just make it a celebration of soccer in this country. I mean, the sport is big enough now that you don't have to apologize for parts of it. Enough people follow the Premier League that understand how these midseason tournaments work. There's talk. Of the NBA adopting a similar format, they've been trying to get this off the ground yes. of a of a open cup thing for the NBA, where you get an automatic uh, bid into the playoffs um, for winning the the regular season tournament, and they aren't even going to include like the NBDL or whatever they call it. Um, Right. The G League or whatever the fuck it's called now. Yeah. they do not even to do that. It's just going to be an in-season tournament of the teams already playing in the regular season, which is absurd, but even they're looking to bring this business model in. So just do the Open Cup right or fucking get rid of it. Like, what they're doing right now is dumb.
0: Completely agree. Uh, set bracket as well would do a couple of things. You could let the I, – I would set everybody in one bracket. I would seed the entire field because every single year, every – team or every league puts all of their teams from best to worst every it's very possible everybody seeds themselves and we know the first division is better than the second division is better than the third division so you have everybody seated you could release 128 team or 256 team whatever however big you want to get this i think 128 team Uh, bracket would be pretty easy to do it's one more match than the March Madness does right now you can include a lot more amateur teams but you let the lower seed have the right of first refusal for hosting so for some of these teams they're not able to do it that's fine they can refuse the the right but for other teams bringing a, a major league soccer team to their gate can make or break their entire season we can yeah. subsidize these lower division teams and keep them afloat longer uh, it would be so much better and you let lower division teams be able to tell their venues when they might have matches which is something they can't do right now
1: Right, and they have to of the scramble
0: bit. at the last second yes it's yeah. so
1: frustrating yeah it's like they would ju- you could you could build entire programming blocks around the idea of cincinnati going back to play louisville yes. or the union having to travel to pittsburgh or don't even do it regionally anymore like yeah right? like lafc comes cross-country to play a match against you know harrisburg city islanders are they still a thing and they're then like not. yeah no they're not whatever <laughs> they are or the richmond fucking kickers who cares yes, but like yeah that we go that, like you you bring you bring the galaxy to richmond that's cool like this yes. whole, like the sport is big enough now that like this idea that all oh, travel, travel sucks, like travel sucks everywhere in this country, but you know what Delta exists and first class seats exist. Make it work. I'm, I'm done right. with this. And we haven't even talked on the fact that Orlando got caught spying ahead of this game <laughs> that Orlando <laughs> got caught trying to like refusing to leave practice for Sacramento. So Jesus. don't tell me MLS doesn't care about the open cup. MLS cares about the open cup.
0: Yes. Yes. The Spygate stuff is absolutely hilarious, and God bless Orlando for taking the tournament seriously. Nobody else in American soccer seems to, to want to. I give some, them full some, credit.
1: Somebody tweeted online, and it made me laugh really hard, that uh, Orlando City caught spying on Sacramento uh, Republic practice. Tom Brady suspended four games. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Patriots just lost a couple draft picks. I right, think. Yeah. Bill Belichick once again finds himself suspended.
0: <laughs> oh man but the uh i i also thought this was weird mls moved orlando's match uh what would have been orlando's match in the weekend prior to this wednesday game usl did not move sacramento's game so they were on four days rest whereas orlando was on seven days rest and sacramento of course had to travel cross-country to go play at orlando just really poorly done from usl overall in handling this tournament i thought that was super weird for them being basically the one league that well and truly benefits from a good healthy open cup i thought that was just a really weird treatment of the tournament overall you
1: remember how we were when we were on that big open cup run and they were actually televising the games on you know mainstream espn platforms and they were they didn't do a goddamn thing for us the usl league office
0: but like, you're on your own, point.
1: pal. I wonder. I mean, <laughs> I do, was I do Sacramento wonder. trying to win this game? I mean, I don't know what their their playoff chase is right now, <laughs> but, like, we heard from Wiedemann that we weren't trying to win these games. <laughs>
0: That's a great point. I also wonder, too, if Sacramento wasn't still publicly trying to make it to MLS, if USL would have tried more. Like, if this was Louisville or Phoenix, one of their, like, bread and butter franchises if they wouldn't have pulled out all the stops to get them to See, to do better. He,
1: here's the thing. There's, <laughs> there's only two types of teams in USL. There are teams that are openly trying to get to MLS and liars. <laughs> like, like all those sense. hardos down in loose city, all the, the, the loose city ultras and all those fucking weirdos down there. We left. They all think they're the real bastions of soccer. USL <laughs> memes, Mike Baldwin, if you're listening, God bless you. But if you're listening, I'm talking to you. Your team is trying to get to MLS. You are trying to join the evil empire as we speak. Spoiler uh, alert.
0: I don't know how well known this is, but um, back when Nashville was having some pretty intense stadium problems, and by that I mean more than what they have now, in that they they weren't entirely sure that they were going to be able to build a stadium anymore in or around the city of Nashville, uh, the league had conversations with Louisville's ownership group.
1: Sure did. I heard that that from some very, very well-sourced people, that that was real and that there was, how soon can you be ready if things go astray on this?
0: That uh, Lynn Family Health Center Stadium or whatever can be expanded to 22,000, which would put it right in line with MLS's other soccer-specific stadiums. And the Wilfs, who are the uh, majority owners, are out-of-state owners anyway for Nashville. So I don't think they would have particularly cared which, you know, sub-southern, sub quasi-Appalachian market they would have ended up in.
1: <laughs> it would have been the best story in American soccer. And I would have hated the fact that they joined because I know they would have made the playoffs before us. That's just like an oh, yeah. absolute certainty at like the core of my being.
0: <laughs> it's a it's – I, I, again, I'll hate to admit it as well, but they uh, that's a very well-run organization over there. They do a good job. <laughs> the biggest James mistake Connor's
1: good at what he does. <laughs> the biggest mistake the lenders made and the birding made was that they didn't just come into the league and just buy out every single person working for Louisville City. Just be like, you know what? Why don't you come – an hour north and just you, you show us how it's done here.
0: Yeah. Would have been, would have been a lot more, yeah. a lot more helpful. Yeah, that would have, been, <laughs> would have been different. But then we
1: would have never had Mitch says no. And that would have been a real tragedy. That's
0: a great point. John Hark's forever. Um, uh, I was about to say Louisville. Orlando won 3-0, although Sacramento gave it their all. They held it 0-0 uh, to the 75th minute. I did have it, I will fully admit, it up on a laptop uh, next to me while watching uh, the FC Cincinnati matchup on the TV. I was keeping an eye on it. Every time I glanced down at the laptop, though, Orlando was taking a shot. That was yeah. just, like, where that game was. So
1: Right. It, uh, it is a reminder, too, that when the MLS teams decide to care, the, qual- the 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 gulf in quality is expanding between the two leagues. Like, when we yeah. were a few years ago, I felt like USL was closing the gap a little bit. But the rise in the salary cap, the fact that there's more Tricky Don Fun Bucks than ever before... The third DP being a thing now is really a game changer between these two yeah. leagues. So
0: you throw in the U twenty two initiative and the MLS academies coming online, and suddenly the the further reaches of the rosters are, are much more talented than they have in the past. And it's only um, gonna get,
1: it's only going to get worse with Apple TV money flowing into MLS. Like that's we're not well. That'll be a we were talking about whether we're going to continue this podcast in the off season. That'll be the biggest story to watch in the off season is just how much extra money flows into this league.
0: I'm very curious when it starts as well. Like how much MLS content will start populating on Apple platforms and whatnot and when that'll happen. That'll be interesting. I did find this very frustrating though. Uh, Again, uh, MLS Accounts tweeting, uh, Orlando wins their first trophy in club history where uh, they definitely won a USL title um, before they moved to MLS. I, I, I may be alone, uh, in in this opinion, but that still counts. It's still read, still real to me, damn it. And uh, it absolutely uh, is.
1: It's, it's stupid. The, the failure of these clubs, like we have so little history in soccer in this country, the failure to embrace the history is, is moronic. And you know, it's moronic too, because they're, conveniently, they're convenient and quick to point out how long the Portland-Seattle rivalry has been going on, mm-hmm. even though by MLS records, that rivalry began sometime in the mid-2000s. But yep. I, I have yet to see a broadcast or league-sponsored content that doesn't point out the fact they've been playing since the 70s.
0: Yeah, and they, they haven't an even... You know, uh, looser affiliation with their NASL selves and whatnot. I know the Timbers like to claim that they're they're still the same thing, but at some point it breaks down to some random lawyer owning the trademark for a dollar, selling it to somebody else for a dollar, right. who's trying damn to sell law- a damn T-shirt. <Yeah>. It's just it's it's not really a soccer team at that point. So the New York Cosmos as well existed as a clothing line for a bit before it accidentally became a soccer team again. Yes. Very, very funny. Um but yeah, just just disappointing that the uh, the biggest tournament, the biggest trophy across the entire you know country wide uh, soccer fans is just disrespected again. So yeah, I, we'll, always, I, we'll
1: always have we'll always have Spygate to remember it by.
0: <laughs> the. Uh, the photoshopped uh, or edited Orlando City crest with the uh, the lion holding binoculars up to its eyes is just incredible. It's just, I hope that just never goes away. Right. You we, all know, we, all know, we all know birds
1: aren't real. It turns out lions aren't real either. Someone alert Gary. Yes. If it prides, it spies.
0: If it prides, it spies. Oh my god. I love it. Uh yeah, I just hope nobody ever lets Orlando forget that they had to uh, cheat to beat a USL team for their uh, for their open cup title. It's just sad. Uh,
1: maybe, if oh. spy- maybe if we would have spot maybe if we would have spied in our open cup run, somebody would have remembered uh that Bradley Wright Phillips is really good at soccer. <laughs>
0: I was gonna say, I'm not sure there was much to spy other than
1: you know, Bradley Wright Phillips is indeed on this
0: roster. And we yeah, should maybe don't prepared. let
1: maybe don't let Bradley Wright Phillips <laughs> shoot and score goals. That'd be Fucking neat.
0: Can somebody just go out and break his leg real fast? Keep this game even.
1: Yeah, we don't. We don't need binoculars. We need a crowbar. We need Nancy (laughs) Kerrigan and Tanya Harding is who we need.
0: That's exactly right. Oh gosh. Uh, Well, let's get out of this part two. Over to part three, where we've got a uh, little bit of grab bag of uh, topics here. We'll, We'll touch on a couple of different things in this one. oh part three we've got some fun ones uh I I like that you wrote this down uh, so I'm just gonna write it exactly like this uh Chad Ochosinko joining World Cup coverage I the Cincinnati angle here is incredible but uh I did not hear this story so talk to me
1: Yeah, so um, in an effort to try and beef up their World Cup coverage and for everyone to forget that there is a horrendous human rights abuse nation that's hosting the World Cup, and give a (laughs) little bit of a fun spin on the fact that hundreds of migrant workers died building these stadiums that were allegedly going to be air-conditioned so they could play during the traditional World Cup schedule of the summer. But, uh, sorry, we're going to be playing it in the wintertime now against the NFL and causing the rest of the English and the world football culture to break their calendars up just to distract from all that uh we've hired chad ochocinco chad johnson whatever he's calling himself these days i fucking love it it's like i i know that there were a bunch of uptight people on soccer twitter that were like why are they bringing this you know nfl player this hand egg player to by the way all-time clue that i don't want to interact with you online or in real life is when you call the national football league hand egg just fuck yes. off you're not yes. clever you will never be clever. Go back to doing whatever it is, unclever things that you do. But um, I, I love anything that makes the World Cup more accessible to just the regular sports fan out there. Because for the majority of people, not anyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure, but the majority of people out there, their soccer consumption consists entirely of tuning in to the World Cup. Maybe they find a USA-Mexico game on TV every so often, but... This is it. And like sports networks do this shit all the time. When they uh, NBC had the Olympics, they brought in like Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart to do a nightly recap show. And are they analysts by any stretch of the imagination? No, but it was funny as hell. And the video clips of Snoop Dogg talking about horse dancing were hilarious. Yes. Um, (laughs) Talking about a horse doing a crip walk out on stage. Fucking dying laughing watching that. Chad Johnson, though, is he's funny. He's personable. He may have a domestic violence conviction on his record. I don't know. Um, I do remember that season of Hard Knocks. Um, But he's actually a soccer fan, like a huge soccer fan. Like, yeah. dude is massive into the online FIFA community. He plays non-league games down in Florida for at least one team down there. Um, Yum. Like, yeah, bring in more select. Like, I would... See if Joel Embiid wants to come in. I know it's during the NFL, the NBA season, but I'd want to see if Joel Embiid wants to do some live remotes. He's a huge soccer fan. Uh, Kevin Nash, former coach for the uh, former player for the Phoenix Suns, huge soccer guy. Like the the crossover appeal during the World Cup is never it's never it's never higher than it is then. So why wouldn't you want to bring in more personalities to help be ambassadors for the game?
0: Yeah. I think, too, having an NFL name attached to it is super helpful. I'd also see what uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is up to. He's apparently a massive soccer fan. Um, Yeah, it's going to help. It helps bridge that gap from the NFL coverage to the World Cup coverage. And you know... like. Fox is going to be able to transition and, and sell those, you know, hey, you're watching, you know, the Sunday, you know, America's football game or whatever the fuck they call the four o'clock game. And, uh, you know, hey, <laughs> we've got the World Cup on uh, early tomorrow morning. Tune in and watch it. That's that's perfect.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't wait. I honestly can't wait to watch Chad Cinco talking to me about soccer on Black Friday as I prepare <laughs> to watch the U.S. play the UK like Fuck the king for one day only. That'll be just electric.
0: (laughs) Oh, God, you used it. It was still weird. I I knew it was coming, too. I don't know
1: about it. I'm I'm trying it on to see if it fits. I don't know if I like it right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, speaking of uh, something that doesn't quite fit anymore, I'm going to say, we are mathematically incredibly close to not clenching the wooden spoon um, I, I believe you have the math on this, Chief, but as early as this weekend, we could know we're I'm, not winning the wooden spoon?
1: As early as this weekend, and it has everything to do with the DC United game playing this weekend. Okay, okay. Um, my understanding, and when I say my understanding, it's absolutely Grayson's understanding <laughs> because he's been pushing this. And he's going to be real mad that he wasn't on to talk about yes. this. <laughs> but my understanding is that we clinch no wooden spoon if we win and D.C. United loses this weekend, or if both of us draw, which that's an outcome we don't want on a home game. This is a nope. must-win game for FC Cincinnati. Um, mission accomplished. We cannot win the spoon with either one of those events. And like to put things in perspective, to take you into the way back machine for the pod, if you're a new listener yes. to the podcast, to tie back into the last segment with the Open Cup, I, your boy, the chief was a huge advocate during our open cup run of just lose, like <laughs> just, just lose. We, we, when we lost to the Re- the revs, I think we got our asses yeah. kicked with a B team. Great. Just Good. lose. Great. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, and the reason why was I said at the time, I have one goal this year and that is not to finish in last place for the love of God. <laughs> Do not finish in last (laughs) place. And it's fun. A fun thing happened on the way to not finishing in last place. It turns out Pat Noonan's a hell of a fucking coach. Chris Albright has a hell of an eye for talent. And this team is mathematically, by every reasonable metric, a very average to possibly above average MLS team. And if you are a very average MLS team, that's usually good enough to finish in that last playoff spot. They are, uh, I think they're negative one in goal differential, so they are almost even on goal differential. They are (laughs) currently occupying riding that 7-8 line. So yeah, I want to make the playoffs, but I don't also want to lose sight of this idea that I will hoist an extra beer in the Bailey, I will go back home after the match, and I will crack open a great bottle of bourbon and pour a drink because finally... (laughs) finally the wooden spoon will not be coming back to cincinnati
0: oh no i uh i i'm looking forward to that moment and i've had this i've had this question you know like what is the magic number um and yeah i i i think that's
1: exactly right i i will admit how will you celebrate what will you like when when we win this weekend against san jose it is yes. San, we're playing San Yeah, San Jose. Yes. When we win this weekend against San Jose, when that final time whistle hits, and when they start playing Walk the Moon or the Killers or whatever the hell it is they're playing in the stadium now, and everyone in the Bailey is you know going crazy in the stadium, what will you do to celebrate the knowledge that we will not be in last place this year?
0: I uh I will reach into my front left pocket where I will have kept a pristine, perfect buskin cookie the entire match, and I will slide that buskin cookie directly onto my big boy sandwich, and I will take a delicious bite of a busk boy.
1: I'll tell you what. You bring two of those cookies, you find yourself a second big boy, and I will I will meet you. I will meet you anywhere in the stadium. I'll meet you out front right on the grand staircase as we have the lights from the fins, slowly providing the ambiance is like the tide logo scrolls by (laughs) in the background. And I will join you in eating that busk boy. We will cheers our busk boys. (laughs) It's an accomplishment. This is awesome. This is, this is what we signed up for at the start of this year. When when we signed Pat Noonan, When we signed Chris Albright, it was lead us to the promised land. But the first step out of the promised land was moving out of your parents' basement. And God damn it, one more win and we're out of the basement.
0: God, I, I'm remembering to, in particular, I will say it feels inevitable. It would be a hell of a fucking thing to lose every single game and to have DC go on a winning
1: streak here. You know what, but... all, you know what else would be great about that, too, is that if that actually happened, that last game would be at DC. Oh, and no. like, Oh, no, no we'd have
0: no one to blame but ourselves. No, that
1: least. like that like it would be it would be not only this horrendous epic collapse of the season, but it would also be that they they have one last chance to control their destiny and not win the wooden spoon and they still spit the fucking bit in the last week of the season. <laughs> Oh, DC goes down
0: to nine men, wins the game. Remember the nine twin oh, turned on its God, head.
1: That would be. What would you do? All right, better question. Not all right. It's Busk Boys. If we if we win on San Jose, what do you do if that happens? Where if we, we lose if we out the, and we win the spoon again? Like what's what do you where do you go from there as a fan? I don't even know.
0: I mean, I would uh, plop down my deposit for season tickets at uh, Louisville's beautiful new Whoa. stadium and <laughs> just abandon ship.
1: <laughs> what would, what would the, Is there any equivalent to that in like any other sport where you have finished in last place three straight seasons and you inexplicably lose your last five games to somehow fall to the basement again while the other God. team that's in the basement wins all five of their games to climb out?
0: I'm sure a team has been relegated that way in England. Oh, just that would be like, brutal. Just teetering. You're like, eh, hey, we're doing okay. Like, I think we've got a solid season here. And it just collapses in the last month. So, Ugh. like,
1: would all the pro-rel out there, would they actually watch a DC United-FC Cincinnati match if, like, it was for the last place? And it's the... That's like their dream, right? That it's a game that has all the implications between two horse shit teams that no one else gives a shit about. And like there is the spoon. Like have the spoon out there like the Stanley Cup, like it's being brought onto the field (laughs) in like the 75th minute.
0: What's (laughs) annoying is we'd have it and we'd bring it with us. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fuck, that would be terrible. Yeah, I'm I'm supposed
1: to be in Tampa seeing the Buccaneers play that weekend, but I might actually reroute myself to D.C to be there in person to cheer to try and prevent the spoon from being awarded if that happens i might have to
0: oh my gosh no i i, I do think i do think we're a much better team than dc thank god you put, worry put about this, this out in
1: the, you put this out in the universe now now fuck i didn't even think about that shit that you brought it up <laughs> uh, why it would you do that perfect. it is set up perfect <laughs> why, for just why would you say that Gotta go Cut to the this what? out of Coast? the podcast. No, delete this audio. This can never be released. We're running heavy on time anyway. This is what we're cutting right here. Just
0: chop it right there. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> and then the audience will have to wonder why I'm like have this existential panic for whatever time is left on this podcast. Like I'll be distracted. Like, fuck. I well, saw some shit. <laughs>
0: If we can, if we can put something positive into the universe that isn't uh, that isn't uh, you know, the Fuck. mental equivalent of doom scrolling here. The, uh, we got, the we got the five we got
1: five matches left. Yeah, we, we just we we're not going to lose all five. I just no. I I feel very comfortable. I don't even need to feel like I need to knock on wood for that. Like, no. what do you, I, I think they need to win both the home games? That's uh Chicago and San Jose are the two home games. Yep. And they've got to pick one off on the road now. I thought they also had to tie one before this week, but they got that um with NYCFC. So, yeah. We, I think that gets us in. I think nine more points get us in, right? I think so as well. I
0: I do think that you you could not have asked for a better breakdown of the rest of the season uh schedule for us. I mean, Salt Lake City is now the toughest game remaining on the schedule. And they are a, a sort of like, they're a pretty good West Coast team. I think a loss there makes a lot of sense. Like, they're a good team. They're, they're hunting for a home playoff spot. Um, San Jose's garbage. San Jose is really bad. And they have to not come good. all the way to the East. Uh, that's not great. Seattle, really struggling. Not going to make the playoffs for the first time in their MLS history. I feel pretty confident about that. Their season could be over by then. I do worry that if they do go on a little bit of a running streak, if we don't face a super desperate, hungry, scrappy Seattle Sounders team, I'm willing to concede the Sounders and Salt Lake games as losses right now. But I think you can win the other three at San Jose, Chicago, D.C. United. Just a quick glance at the supporter shield table has the bottom Four teams, five teams as uh from top to bottom. Chicago, Kansas City, San Jose, Houston, DC United, and Dead Last. So you got three of the five worst teams in MLS to finish the season on. I don't I don't mind this position as no. Cincinnati.
1: And you have Seattle's games leading up to ours is they have to play um they have to go to Austin. To play a game. No, wait, that's gonna yeah. be in Seattle. So they play. Okay. They play Austin at home. Then they have to go to Vancouver. Um, okay. So Vancouver, not great, but like they're also probably an equal team for Seattle. Austin yeah. is very, Austin is very good. Austin yep. is very, very good. We saw that firsthand, and that hasn't changed since. Since then, <laughs> no. Um, to me, San Jose, you got to beat San Jose. Like every the path to the playoffs gets really yep. hard to figure if you don't beat San Jose this weekend, because then you're talking about probably needing to win at least one of those West coast games against either RSL or Seattle and win at yeah. DC at the end of the year. Um, winning winning this weekend keeps every option available. I, I think they can pick that Seattle team off. I don't, I've watched that team play a lot because I'm a night owl and they always seem to be on late night TV. They're not very good. Um, yeah. they just, they don't do anything well. Um, they don't score a lot of goals either, which is also helpful. I think if you're trying to figure out, you know, where the good matchups lie with this, um, they've got, uh, sitting flat on goal differential, which is always, you know, a good thing that you want to see. So is RSL for that matter. We're not talking about like high powered teams either yeah. way on one of the, on these. So, Yeah, maybe maybe you can pick a couple results off there. It just it's it's worth pointing out because we haven't talked about it, but it's been put online. The last loss this FC Cincinnati team had was to Columbus in Columbus. It's been a long time since this team lost a game. Um, Now, you could say they're due, maybe, but they are a they're a really tough out. Like we're a tough out to beat. You might draw us. But like it beating us is is tough, um, so yeah. I think there's a reality, honestly, where they beat San Jose, they uh, beat Chicago, and they draw both those West Coast games, and we're going into that DC United game, possibly only needing a draw, depending on how things shake out, to <sighs> clinch.
0: Yeah, there's also, I mean. They're pretty far ahead. New York City FC on 46 points. They're the uh, the fourth spot there. Uh, that is hosting, I believe, a home playoff game, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be hosting at least one home playoff game. 46 points. They've only won one game in their last, like, 12 Attempts, something like that. It's been a. It, They've struggled to get wins. They were on a three-game losing streak before they came up against FC Cincinnati at home and finally got a draw. I mean, FC Cincinnati could go on a run, or any of these teams really could go on a run, and a home playoff game isn't even out of the question here. It's, if it's, New York
1: City keeps slipping, it's not. And part of the reason for that too is that there are compared to all the other teams out there, we play three, over half our games remaining are West Coast games, where usually a draw against a team that you're around doesn't move the needle much, but you could draw RSL and Seattle, pick two points up, and no one else is getting those points that you're in competition with. Like, you could basically turn that into, like, a quasi one win out of those two games, like get two out of a possible six points versus three out of a possible six, but no one else in the table is benefiting from that but you so I mean you look at the schedule teams around us play Columbus has to play Montreal still they have to play Portland they have to play uh Orlando still they've got to play the Red Bulls like they have a murderer's row of games they have to play only one point up on us um Orlando three points up on us like our neighbor in the table still has to play Philly Has to play Atlanta, has to play Toronto, has to play NYCFC, Miami and Columbus. Like a lot of these teams are playing one another where, you know, there's opportunities for top teams to separate and for us to pick some ground up, I think. So I say I say nine more points, does it? It might be as low as eight. It might be as much as 10 to to put a playoff spot in there.
0: I think uh was it if it's two draws on the west coast and the rest of the games are wins gives us 11 points we'd finish with 50 points that would It's require... been a long time
1: it's been a long time since 50 points missed the playoffs. It's been a really really long time. Like usually you feel really confident at like 46. Mm-hmm. If 50 missed the playoffs it would have to be a weird confluence of events.
0: Yeah. Oh it's just exciting we get to talk about a,
1: a yeah, playoff run. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this losing out and winning the spoon again. Like Playoffs are fun. This is exciting. Yes. It's fun to be nervous about this shit. I love it. I've been Ugh. missing this. It's been a missing part of my FCC fandom since the USL days. Seriously.
0: Seriously. And now, I mean, this is the fun part where you start really looking at, like, who would we get in the playoffs? And right now, it looks like if we cling on to this seventh spot, which I would hate we would go on the road to Montreal and you'd probably see a backline similar to what we saw before. We really get to learn everybody's vaccination statuses. Um, <laughs> it'll be it'll be fun. And the Montreal games are always exciting, so that'll probably be like a 7-6 game. Uh, right.
1: So hopefully we
0: come out on the right side of something pay, like you'll, that. But, you'll
1: pay for the full <laughs> ticket, but only need the edge.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Chief... I mean, it's just the two of us, but I think we covered quite a bit of ground here tonight.
1: I mean, we talked about the monarchy succession. We <laughs> solved the uh, last remaining defender red card situation for MLS. Um, we we cleared up some things for fans that need to be heard a thing or two about refereeing. So I think I was positive about that. Yeah. Um, Chad Ochocinco got a name drop. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm happy with how we I'm happy with how we did things.
0: I, I mean, I always feel bad when we have to release a podcast a day late. So hopefully, hopefully this cornucopia of content has, uh, has made up for our delay here. So
1: <laughs> And as always, fuck Columbus.